Hello and welcome to A Story of Us, our humanity, history, and department. This podcast is hosted in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association and with the Anthropology Public Outreach Program, or APOP for short. I'm your host, Emma Legan, and today I'm bringing you something a little bit different. In today's episode, which you'll already see is longer than our normal episodes, you'll be hearing the voices from the middle school students at the Columbus Metro Early College Middle School. This middle school is located off of the Ohio State University's campus and is a school in which students achieve mastery level in all of their courses as they get ready for their college careers. The really important thing about this is that it means that every student achieves mastery in every course that they do. So what happens if a student doesn't achieve mastery in their fall semester means that they make up the coursework over the first two weeks of January. Students who already achieved mastery level in this course get the chance to learn something new that interests them. So in January of 2020, I was privileged to be invited to the Metro College Middle School's J term, or their January term semester. I worked in collaboration with English teacher Miss Amy Atkinson on developing a podcasting course. Miss Atkinson covered the students' writing and research of everything, and I introduced to them what podcasting is and gave them the opportunity to present their stories on our podcast. So I presented them with the following prompt. Where are you from? And when I first showed up and I first gave this prompt to them, there was a lot of looks of dismay. Uh, these students had had ideas in their head of what they wanted to do with their podcast, and they were very excited to create their own and a little bit disappointed that I was giving them a prompt. But I quickly explained to them that where are you from means so much more than what is your family background? Where are you from in Ohio? Where is your family from? What is your ancestry? Where are you from is a question that encompasses the entirety of what does it mean to be you. I chose this question because I wanted something that related to the themes of anthropology without being too specific, so that these middle schoolers could still have fun without spending their entire J term researching what anthropology is. So what you'll hear in this is directly from the mouths of the middle schoolers as they work through their ideas of where are they from. This will range from everything as to the hobbies that make them who they are, from reading to writing, comics to Dungeons and Dragons the food that their families make and where these foods come from and how it is an important part of their lives, to the cultures and countries that their parents are from, that their grandparents are from, and in general, just what their family means to them. I recorded 21 students from the middle school. You'll hear some of their voices here today, which I've broken into sections of generally food, hobbies, including games, reading, drawing, and home. I've edited out the students' last names to give them a little bit of privacy, and other than that, I've kept everything that they said originally, except for some clicks. Uh, this happens naturally when we're recording. I always edit this out for many of our podcasts. When your mouth gets dry, you get that sound. So I've edited out all clicks, uh, ums, ahs, and some long spaces. Other than that, th these words are their own. For the most part, they are interviewing each other. You'll hear that they set up essentially what would have been their own podcast, so you'll hear a variety of different titles as we go. Uh, some of them, we did a more one-on-one -on -one interview in, with myself. Some of them I asked questions to have them elaborate on throughout. But overall, this research is their own. As a brief note about this recording before we get started, the students were recorded in January of 2020 before the COVID-19 pandemic began. 
All of the transitions and what you're hearing in my voice today have been recorded from home in the solitude of my bathroom in the hopes that the acoustics would be up to snuff. As a result, you might hear some changes in acoustics that you wouldn't normally have in our tracks, and I do apologize for that, but I hope that this will bring you enough joy that you won't really hear these differences. In this section, I've just given the title home. This has a wide range of meaning from anything from family to their parents' countries to the various cultures that shape them. Hi, my name is Mariah. I'm in seventh grade. Today, I'm talking about where I'm from. I would say that I'm from my family. When I was younger, my parents and I would always drive to Maryland to visit family. I've been there so much, it's now like a second home. I've always had a lot of heritage, so it is hard to say where I'm from, but I've always felt at home around my family. My dad is from Trinidad and Tobago, two small islands off the northern coast of South America. My mom is from the United States. She was born in New York and grew up in New Jersey. I remember when all of my aunts and cousins would cram into my aunt's house for Thanksgiving. We would spend hours eating, talking, laughing, and for us kids, playing. It was so fun, and by the time I got back to the hotel, I was knocked out. I have realized that no matter where I am, if certain people are there, it feels like home. My family has a lot of unique culture. We have a family get-together at least once a year. And a personal tradition I have is that whenever I visit Maryland, I have donuts from my favorite shop for breakfast. I feel like I am most at home around my family. We combine multiple customs and traditions from our culture. So I would say I'm from my family because there is no one place I identify with. And what are your favorite donuts like? They're like um, glazed donuts. Glazed donuts. Just regular glazed donuts. What's the name of the shop? Do you remember? Oh my gosh, is it Wawa? Wawa? Yeah. Because yeah, they only have them like... <laughs> On the East Coast, yeah. I know, yeah, Wawa is a huge cultural tradition because there's always the divide between Wawa or Sheets. And I'm from Philly, so I'm a Wawa girl, so I feel you. Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to the Horn of Africa. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy. My name's Omar. I have an awesome family. My mom and dad are really nice and kind to me and my siblings. I wouldn't be here without my parents. My grandparents from my mom's side are still alive, thankfully but my grandparents from my dad's side passed away. I have a very huge family tree that we should not go in depth with for the sake of time. Do you have anything to say, Saleh? Yeah, sure. I'm going to be talking about the history of Somalia. Somali people are a part of an ethnic group called Kushites. Somalia is spoken by 10 to 11 million people, second only by Oromo. People have lived in Somalia since 10,000 to 9,000 BCE. That's a long time. We know this because of the many cave paintings in Somaliland, especially the Glasgow cave paintings. This depicts the livelihood of pre-Islamic and ancient Somalia. Islam's first destination outside of the Middle East was in the Horn of Africa. The Sahaba, or the companions of the Prophet Muhammad, were facing religious persecution. Some of them got on a boat and traveled to the Horn of Africa. Somalia has been an Islamic nation divided into clans and tribes called Qabil in Somalia. There are hundreds of clans divided into tribes. For example, my clan is Qaljal, and my tribe inside my clan is Barsane. When the Suez Canal opened in November 16, 1869, it opened a whole lot of opportunity. The Suez Canal is the canal that divides Egypt from the Middle East. It exposes the Mediterranean Sea to the Red Sea and out to India. It's easier to go from places like Europe to India, the Arabian Peninsula, and the Horn of Africa. 
Somalia being a region with no united government and a bunch of divided tribes, and being a cold geographic area for trade, they did what any Western power would do to a bunch of harmless people with rich culture. They divided and conquered the region. Northern Somalia turned into British Somalia, Middle and Southern Somalia became Italian Somalia, and a location called Djibouti, right in the north of Somalia, became French Somalia. They gained independence all in 1960. Somalia's first president was Adan Abdullahi Osman. He was succeeded by Abdurrashid Sharmake. Somalia was nicknamed the Switzerland of Africa at the time. President Sharmake was assassinated in 1969, sadly. He was succeeded by Muqtar Mohammed Hussein, but was overthrown in a week. He was dominated by a general named Mohammed Siad Barre. He became a dictator. The United States and Soviet Union supported his regime and he dissolved parliament, suspended constitution, banned political parties, and arrested politicians. Many of the locals said from then on was a downward trend, because he declared the Ogaden War to invade Ethiopia. Everybody was on board with him, but then he failed, lost foreign support, Somali nationalism became a thing of the past, and the civil war broke out. At this point, I want to take a brief pause. The father of one of our podcasters asked that I remind listeners at this point that the Somali civil war is an ongoing war still going on today. There's the federal government that is in place, and then the five regional governments who each have their own police force, and then thousands of UN peacekeeping personnel who are supporting the government. There is one violent organization that is trying to use force to disrupt the government. And that's a very brief history of what we have going on at the moment. So with that interjection in place, we're going to go back to the podcasters who I'm about to ask a question about their own family. Do you guys have family in Somalia? Yep. Yep. Who's there still? My grandparents. Okay. My gramps. Yeah. Have you guys been to Somalia yourselves? No. Are I, you? I'm planning to go there this plan- summer. I'm planning to go there. He knows a lot of Somali language. Yeah. I'm yep. learning it. Okay. Who's teaching you? Uh, there's this club in yeah. school that's about Somali language and culture, and I'm taking it. I inspired so- him to learn it. <laughs> Who taught you? Um. So... A long time ago, in like 2012, my grandma moved into America. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was from Somalia. And she couldn't learn English. Yeah. It's really hard for her because she was old. So instead of me teaching her English, it would be easier for me. I learned Somali, so it could be easier for her. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Like, I could say some phrases right now. Yeah, go ahead. Like, um, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, I'm doing great. And in Ted Adesa, where are you going? Um, I'm going to the city. And I'm going to buy something. I like it. I learned some stuff in our Somali club. Yeah. Uh, like, what's your name? Which is have a nice day. Means good morning. And... Uh, Habin wanaksan means good evening. So it was subah wanaksan is subah wanaksan. Subah. Subah. Yes. Subah wanaksan. Subah wanaksan. Subah wanaksan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good morning to you guys that's, as well. That's the thing uh-huh. with a lot of these language, like Somali language and English language, you have to like use this part of your yeah. throat yeah. to like yeah. speak. Yeah. Yeah. Not just the mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for teaching me, guys. That was awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Hello, welcome to the world inside Ohm. My name is Pradhanik and I'm a 7th grader at Metro Early College Middle School. 
So today we're going to talk about different cultures. We're going to talk about different things that we do in Hinduism. Let's start with Hinduism in general. Hinduism is the world's third largest practiced religion. Millions of people around the world practice it with a tint of their own traditions and practices. Hinduism follows Dharma, which is also known as the right way of life. Hindus believe in karma, which is known as the universal law of cause and effect. Hinduism was formerly called Sanatana Dharma. Each Hindu believes in ancestry. Yoga is something that is known throughout the world, but rather than its outside of a re- relaxing exercise, the inside of yoga is that it's a Hindu discipline. It also ch- trains the body in many ways. There are four main types of yoga. Bhakti yoga, karma yoga, jnana yoga, and raja yoga. So yoga is a way to aim towards the goals of life and attain moksha, also called salvation. It is believed that there's one supreme power called Brahman, but we still recognize other gods and goddesses. The Om is the main symbol of Hinduism, although the swastika is too, but the Nazis took the symbol and made it their own by removing the dots and making it diagonal. We Hindus celebrate many holidays throughout the year. Some of the popular holidays are Navratri, Pongal, mainly celebrated in South India, and Diwali. Each holiday has significance. Navratri is celebrated to the three main goddesses and honoring them for what they do. Diwali is celebrated to show light over darkness using fireworks. And Pongal is celebrated to thank the sun god Surya for helping with making crops and growing plants. So let's talk about Diwali. In South India, where I come from, we believe a story for why Diwali is celebrated. When a god named Krishna was a little child, there was a demon named Narakasura who came to give nothing but torture. Everybody in the, ro- in the village was fearing this ferocious demon. When Krishna caught the demon and killed it, Narakasa realized that what he had done was a very bad sin. He told Krishna that everybody should be happy for my death and they should celebrate this very special day. Navaratri is a holiday festival that is celebrated throughout the country. In Tamil Nadu, people celebrate it by calling people over and looking at the beautiful display of the dolls on the odd number of steps and before they leave, they send them with a gift. This special holiday celebrates the three main goddesses of Hinduism, Durga, Saraswati, and Lakshmi. This holiday is also celebrated to honor the success of Durga killing a demon. Pongal is a holiday that is celebrated to thank the sun god, Surya, for helping grow the crops. This holiday is a four-day holiday, and the first day is called Bogi, and is about clearing all the negative thoughts and bringing in the positive thoughts. Second day is about celebrating the success of the crops while saying thank you to Surya. The third day is called Matapongal and is about thanking the cows, cattle for fertilizing the crops and much more. Kanumpongal is the final day and is about getting together with family and friends. So I can also say it's a family reunion. So thank you so much for listening to The World Inside Home. I hope you enjoyed listening to this informational podcast. I also want to thank my parents for giving me information about my culture. Hello, welcome to World of Home. My name is Margaret. I'm a sixth grader, and I go to Metro Middle School. Today we'll be talking about the experience of moving. Not moving like walking, but moving like going to another state or country. The actual moving experience could be a lot of work. The work consists of packing, giving away, sorting, keeping, and throwing away, and much, much more. Those are all technically leading up to moving, but it still counts as a part of packing. Packing your clothes can be easy, but you then need to pack the entire house or your home. This, this, the, the things I l- earlier listed are kind of like a cycle, and that cycle repeats throughout 
the time it takes for you to pack. But the psycho-in process can also bring up a lot of emotions. Which leads me to my next topic, emotions. The most emotions that are experienced during packing and leaving are excitedness, sadness, and nervousness. You're excited because you can start a new life somewhere. You're nervous because you're not sure what can happen at, at said place. You're sad because you're leaving your friends, your house, everything behind for the first time or again. Speaking of which, settling and moving again or for the first time can be hard. You have everything at your state or country, and now you have to move for whatever reason that must be important. Maybe you want to move and leave where you live. Maybe one of your parents have to move because of a job or even eviction. There are many reasons to move. Like me and my mom moved from New York to Ohio because we lived in the bad environment and we didn't want to stay there. But during those times, I experienced a lot of emotions that I talked about before. And it's well, sad because you have to move where you have settled and you have to leave your friends and your home. I'm Jillian. During this podcast, I'll interview some of my relatives asking what they know about my ancestry and European roots. Often, which country we're from impacts our traditions, cuisine, activities, and religions. You can see this with my pork and sauerkraut, family gatherings, wine, cookies, and Catholicism. So Jillian, what countries are your uh, family from? My mom's side is German. My dad is half Polish, half German. Did any of your grandparents come directly from those countries, or were they all born in the U.S.? They were all born in the U.S. Okay. What were your stories like? So what did your grandma tell you about? Um, She told me about how my great-great-grandpa came from Poland to the U.S. during this one famine that was going on, and they were also under um, Russian rule. So, and you're saying that there's, uh, there's, you guys have a lot of food that you talked about, right? Yeah. In both sides of my family, we have um, pork and sauerkraut on New Year's, which is really traditionally European. Yeah. So what was your favorite story that you heard from your family? I had um, this one uh, relative. He lived in Pennsylvania during the Revolutionary War. Really? Mm-hmm. And then more in Maryland. The person um, who came from, from Germany to America, he had a really big beard. It was bushy <laughs> stuff. I saw pictures. You saw pictures of him? So you got to look through pictures while you talked with family? Yeah, pictures. And then she also had like these old family trees yeah. that we saw. Have you heard these stories before or was this your first time? Um, it was my first time hearing my aunt's story, but I'd heard my grandma's before. Okay. Yeah. And then has your family been in Ohio as long as you can remember? Yeah, as long as I can remember. I mean, that was like way back in the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Yeah. 1700s. So that's I'm originally from Pennsylvania myself. Actually, wait, my mom lived in, um, I think it was I think it was still in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I think Cincinnati. She grew Cincinnati. up in Cincinnati. OK. But my dad always lived in Columbus. Gotcha. Very nice. So you've got a lot that goes into making you who you are today. Hey, good humans. I'm your host, Holden, from the podcast Zoom In As A Human. In this episode, I will discuss some of the things that make me who I am today and how it has affected me. From Germany to Ukraine, my family is from all over. To be honest, I'm not 100% sure of where all the details where I'm from, but I do know that although our changed from our ancestors, we still take pride in who we are. My mom's side is heavily Italian, and my dad's side is a mix of different European ethnicities. One of the things that sort of comes to from my culture that my family has adapted to is cycling. My dad and I are, are both avid cyclists, and a part of that is, that is when we look to our culture, we see many cyclists in our family tree. Cycling is so much so much more uh, popular over in Europe. It's always cool to watch pros in the Grand Tour and see them in the Olympic sporting 
for a country that is in my blood. Food and tradition have, has always been a big part of my family, even though it may be different from our relatives. One thing that we enjoy is our own spin on classic foods, such as an adapted vegetarian meatball sub. My family is three-fourths vegetarian, uh, so we find ways to include vegetarian-friendly alternatives in many popular dishes. For many dishes that most people mouth waters to, for includes for some that includes things like chicken and beef, I see tofu or other um, vegetarian alternative products. Uh, in conclusion, my heritage has played a big part in my day-to-day life. Although many traditions and styles have changed, we still um, learn lessons from it, get hobbies from it, and enjoy celebrations about it. My past makes me who I am. In this section, you'll hear from some students about their family's food traditions. Welcome to the Meals That Made Us, the podcast about the cultural impact of food. I am your host, Paolo, and today we have a special guest, Graham. Hello. We'll start out today with an easy question. Where does your family originate from? They came from uh, Germany, and then my mom's side came from like Britain and Scotland. And how do you think that impacts the way that your family cooks and the way that you're in the type of food that you eat? We eat some German food, but I think that's it. I mean, when we go to family reunions, sometimes have like the classic food, like mushroom soup and pierogies. But so, what is a pierogi? It's like a ravioli. It's like halfway between a ravioli and a dumpling, and it has usually a potato filling. Okay, they're really yeah. good. That sounds awesome. So. What's your favorite food? I love Hot Pockets, anything pizza. So that doesn't really have anything to do with Germany, and that's interesting because I don't really eat, you know, Italian food or Polish food that often. But do you think that that still impacts the way that your family cooks on, like, a lower level? Like, the way that you add spices or... Um, not really. I mean, we have basically a spice from everywhere in the world. My mom loves going to Penzi's, so she's like, oh, let's get some spices. Yeah. My dad's big into barbecuing and grilling, so he's got a lot of, like, smoky spices, but I feel like we don't make, like, German food. Like, we have hot dogs, we have bratwurst sometimes, but it's, I don't think that really affects how we cook. Yeah, so... Why do you like pizza? Because, you know, everybody likes pizza, but why do you think it's, like, special to you? Pizza's it's so good. The way there's, like, sauce, cheese, toppings, it's, like, perfect. I once had pizza on that line for an entire week and never got old. You can, like, always make different kinds of it. Uh, there's so many different styles of crusts, dough. There's a pizza for everyone, and even vegans and vegetarians. There's no end to what you can put on it. That's why I love pizza. And when I say cultural food, what does that mean to you? I would say, so to me, culture is like a group of people in a certain area. So the cultural food is the food from that area, I would say. And I feel like the area has a big impact on what kind of food you can make. Do you think that there's really any specific kind of food that you eat the most, like Italian Uh, or... Well, I'd say we have uh, rotisserie chicken, like, more than everything. Uh, a lot of nights, uh, it's very crazy in the house. Uh, we also, I'd say we have lots of grilled things. My dad's, like I said, big into grilling things, meats. Uh, so I'd say we get grilled chicken, grilled pork. It's, it's good. 
Uh, we also have tacos every Tuesday or some sort of Mexican food every Tuesday. So what led you guys to choose food for your podcast topic? We're just thinking about it, and I said that I thought that it would be cool to do food. I mean, I love cooking. Uh, I'm big into cooking like breakfast things like crepes and yeah. bacon. The reason that, you know, I chose food um, is my mom and dad taught me how to cook, and it's just this really special thing that I share with them. I usually cook more with my mom, but it just like feels like a family thing. My parents at a very young age were like, oh, Graham, let's cook so when you go off to college, you'll not just eat Hot Pockets for three meals a day. And yet you're still eating Hot Pockets. Well, I'd say pe- <laughs> it's more like pizza. Okay. Like, if it's got bread, tomato sauce, cheese, and meat, yep. it's good. So, hi, everyone. Uh, how are you? My name is Austin, and it is an honor that I got invited to this podcast. I really enjoy listening to podcasts and have wanted to get on one uh, since I was young, and my mom started listening to them while we were in the car together and while we would go to uh, school and stuff. One thing that makes me who I am today is I really like snacking and eating foods. I really like my mom's cooking, but she didn't always know how to cook. She used to, when she was in college, she used to have um, instant ramen and just noodles and spaghetti sauce for every meal of the day and uh but she learned how to cook and what to do when she was cooking and she is a great cook now some of my favorite foods are tacos burritos burgers and um, just pretty much any kind of chip another thing that i really like to do is soccer without soccer i wouldn't have most of my friends that i have on my soccer team and i wouldn't be as active or as physical as i was and then i also really like watching youtube and uh watching netflix uh, I go on social media a lot, and overall, I'm a social person, and I make a lot of friends wherever I go, and I might not have the same interests or go to Metro if I didn't have the friends that I have and if I wasn't social. In conclusion, uh, there are a lot of things that define me. Uh, even though these are only a few things that define me, there are a lot, but these still say a lot about me. Currently, I play for a soccer team, and most of my friends are on that team, which help me get through the day, and yeah, just knowing I can see them later. Hi, my name is Omar, and today I'll be talking about how my dad's culture influenced who I am today. And before I start talking about this, I'm just going to say that my dad, he is from Africa, so the things that I'll be talking about are much different than you guys are used to. My dad, since he's from Africa and things like that, his food is much different than what people have here, so the things that he's used to eating influences me, so now I eat lots of spicier foods than normal, like because in Africa, they're used to eating lots of spicy foods, different spices like crushed red peppers and things like that on their foods. While as here, their food is more salty and things like that. They use more salt and less spice. So that influences me a lot. So I, I tend to not use salt on my food. And I normally use like different types of peppers. And also, my dad's culture influences me to the way I dress because normally um, I dress with more fabricated clothes than cotton clothes because in the United States they're used to using clothes that are made of cotton and things like that or wool while as in Africa they use more fabricated clothes from different types of fabric and silk and they tend not to use wool. The foods that we eat are much different than here because we eat more like exotic meats like for example we eat like lamb and things like that we we don't tend to eat lots of chicken and cows or pigs just because in our culture we believe that those meats aren't as good as as good for you 
as lamb is because they think that those foods can cause you to get sick or harm you somehow. So they believe that it's better to eat lamb and things like that. Which country in Africa is your dad from? Senegal. I have uh, a friend from Zimbabwe, and so I know that whenever he cooks for us, we eat with our hands a lot, too. Yeah, I was also going to add that we eat with our hands, but it's not like we're eating like we don't know how to eat. It's not like we're just picking out things. We know what we're doing. Do you eat that cornmeal at matzah? Matz- is that how you say it? Yeah, it's pronounced matzah. Matzah. I know that the first time that I ate matzah, I felt like a child trying to figure out how to use that to pick up the, the different foods that we were eating. Really delicious. Because sometimes people when they're eating with their hands they think that we're eating like children we're just grabbing and stuffing it into our mouths we more like pinch it with our hands mm-hmm. and then grab it so it's not super messy no it's really it's a really fine skill set and my friends have it down right because he's from Zimbabwe but when I tried to first learn how to how to do that pinching I couldn't figure it out and so it's it's really awesome and it's a really nice way to eat when I was younger when I first went over to my older cousin's house when I was eating I was so used to eating with forks because that's what my mom was taught me because she's not used to that. And then we both learned because when we first started trying to eat with our hands, we would like cup our hands in like when you wash your face in the morning or something like that, we would cup our hands and then it would just make a big mess and get all over our hands and all over our face and our clothes. But then after a while, my dad taught us that you should pinch it more Mm -hmm. and not like cup your hands and grab it and make a big mess. In this upcoming section, I'm going to introduce you to the voices of students who talk about their different hobbies and how they shape them. Okay, welcome to the D&D podcast with your host, Jacob. I'm going to be talking about how my dad introduced me into D&D and how it affects how I am creative today. So, first thing, what is D&D? Dungeons & Dragons is a role-playing game that was introduced in 1974, thanks Google. And so most people who play the game play with a group or club because it requires at least three people, if not more. And so it's been the longest running game of D&D has been going on for 34 years and still going on. I think the guy's like 60. And so the highest character level is 20, according to Geek and Sondry. I don't know what that name is. D&D is based off of a game called Chainmail. The creator is Dave Aronson. And when he looked at the fantasy rules, he created a new game called Blackmoor, which was later turned into Dungeons & Dungeons. My dad was interested in the game because growing up, he lived in New Carlisle and was a, fam- of a family of seven or eight, including the parents. He had five other brothers, so they couldn't find much that they could do together. So they decided, let's play Dungeons & Dragons. My dad, who was the creative one of all the brothers, is the one who was the dungeon master who told them what they were doing. He said the best part about it was screwing around with his brothers and telling them, congratulations, you've died because I said so. And so he'd just make them laugh, and they'd all enjoy an entire day of just playing Dungeons & Dragons. And how this influences me is I would be playing Dungeons & Dragons one day with my dad because he bought us a starter set for Christmas. And so we were playing. It was just so much fun because we like to mess with each other, and I like to try to recreate characters I've already seen in movies such as Bilbo. So I would make a halfling rogue, and try to steal everything, and I tried to steal from my dad, and he just says no, and rejected me, and so then I had so much fun, I turned it into my, I brought it to school one day and played with my friends, and at one point, one of my friends rolled a two and accidentally killed, killed our teammate, but we're not going to talk about that, but so 
now what we're trying to do is find everything that he used to make it like what he had. Because the starter set changed because originally they just had the book, the play mat, the characters, that's it. Whereas the starter set now has dice, playbook, ro- rule book, spell book, character sheets, and all that. So we're just trying to bring back what he had. If Without that, I wouldn't be as creative as I am today. Thank you for listening. I'm Jacob signing out. Goodbye, my fellow nerds. Hello, comic fans. I'm your host, Loic of Comic Origin, and today's Comic Origin is Batman The Dark Knight. As some of you may know, Batman is my favorite superhero, so there's no doubt I would talk about him. So without further ado, let's go. Let's start with the actual story of Batman. It's a little unclear what the true story is, but it looks like that Bob Kane came up with the character, but Bill Finger created the actual design. Batman first appeared in DC's Detective Comics number 27 under the name of The Batman. He's been an icon ever since. Everyone knows what Batman looks like, but there is no one Batman look. The first look he had had ears going out of his cowl diagonally, and his bat symbol had no ears. A year later, his look changed, and he had the more classic Batman look. Batman has changed a lot in 80 years. I described how he looked in 1939 and how outlandish he looked. In 1964, Detective Comics number 327, The Mystery of the Menacing Mask, DC introduced a new look. This is the Batman that most people think of as the Batman. It has the yellow behind the bat symbol, blue and gray suit, and short ears. This Batman is iconic. In conclusion, Batman has changed a lot in the 80 years he has been a comic. Some changes for the better, and some not so much. It's pretty cool to look back at someone's past and pair and contrast how they are now. So, I'll be talking about how um, anime just changed lives. I did some research, and this is what Jaco Geyser, No Things Feels, had to say. Mm Mm-hmm. So he said, well, anime in general, all in all, is more emotional and interesting for me than most other fictions also. He says that, but I have found that sometimes anime is more interesting with deeper meaning, plot, and characters. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like (laughs) anime. That's like one of my favorite um, types of animes. I started watching anime as a young kid. I always used to see my cousins watching mm-hmm. it, and I always used to join them. My The first anime I watched was Naruto. Yep, I know of it. Yeah. So um, I had experience with um, kids that are older than me. Yeah. With, they tried to, um, my mother gave me money, and mm-hmm. I tried to buy some snacks. Mm-hmm. Some people older than me, came and tried to take my money, and I wasn't going to give them my money. So I used a a move that I learned in an anime called History's Greatest Disciple. Act like you're punching somewhere, and then you punch from somewhere else. So it taught you some self-defense, huh? Yeah. Anime, there's some quotes and life lessons they teach. Yeah. I have three right here. First one comes from um, Magi. Alibaba says, no matter how crazy it may be or how dangerous it may be, even if it's something personal, it doesn't matter. Anything that you're worried about, I'll be worried, worrying right along with you and think of a solution. Basically, what that means is, like, back up your friends. Because yeah. this is about his um, friend. She, she was a slave, mm-hmm. and she, her master make her walk on lava. Mm-hmm. Her legs were burnt. She's from a clan where they're strong. Okay. 
So he said that to a friend, cause and then she was, she was, uh, she had the courage to step up to her master. Yeah. Um. Another one is from one of my favorite animes called No Game No Life. Okay. So um, Sora and his sister are some pretty chill dudes. They're shut from the outside world because yeah. people didn't understand them and they used to criticize them for playing games. This comes from Sora, the older brother. He says, life is not a game of luck. If you wanna win, work hard. So basically what it means is in my life, like so far, I, to get ahead in classes, yeah. I study every night about an hour. Yeah. The last one comes from an anime I'm currently watching. Okay. Um, it's from a boy. He's cursed as a little, He's not really a boy. He used to be much older. Okay. The anime is called Katikyo Hitman Reborn. Okay. It's about a hitman that was, there was seven, no, eight. Mm-hmm. Eight people that were um, prodigies. Yeah. They got turned into the size of a toddler. He says that if you want to run away now, you'll be running away for the rest of your life. Yeah. Basically, it means that you shouldn't run away. You should do things that you want to do the first time yeah. or you will get it. My conclusion is that people say that I'm an anime nerd or yeah. a weeb, but just because you watch anime doesn't mean that you're a weeb. Just that's something yeah. you like. Like, if you watch shows, that's something you like. You shouldn't exactly. be criticized for what you watch. Exactly. Yeah. And you've learned so much from it and take so much of it into your life. So hello, my name is Isra, and today we have Isra with us, and she'll be talking about her interests in Harry Potter. Hello, Isra, how are you today? I'm very well. So what is the hobby of yours or something you enjoy doing? I really like reading, actually. When did you start reading? So I used to love reading even before I started school. I was very lucky to have, like, no problem with reading. When I would read, my mind would create, like, a movie about the book. I could see all the visuals that you would see in a movie. Actually, this part is kind of funny. When I was first into reading, I did not like Harry Potter at all. I liked more comedy and fable type of books. Wow, really? Then how did you become interested in it? Well, one part of how I got interested in it was because my family really enjoyed reading. Also, since Harry Potter is British and my family's from England, we had all the books. Anyway, so one time I had to go to someone's house and I had nothing to do. I was so bored and I forgot to bring my book with me. The only books that they had were Harry Potter, so I just read it. When I got home, I continued and I actually loved it. So when you are reading, why does it draw your attention and make it enjoyable? Well, I do enjoy reading Harry Potter for a few reasons. The world created is very interesting, and there's so much more to learn about in each chapter. There's also no empty plots, everything makes sense. The world is so big that it's amazing how much creativity was put in. The characters are also very well written. Each character has development in every book and has their own story. The settings were created so beautifully and opens doors for so many things like rides and food. And speaking of rides, are there any other Harry Potter things you do other than reading or watching the movies? So, I personally am not a fan of the films, but there are other Harry Potter things I do other than reading the books. I've been to Harry Potter World twice in Florida. When you're there, it feels real and so magical. There are other Harry Potter things like new books after the seventh. Personally, I do not like the eighth book, The Cursed Child. It takes a lot of character development away and makes the perfect ending not perfect. J.K. Rowling has also just been confirming a lot of things and keeps taking Harry Potter to bad levels. 
She even tweets random things about Harry Potter for, it seems like, more fame. Well, overall, even with the few flaws, Harry Potter has helped me become who I am today. Hello, everybody. My name is Isra, and today we have a special guest, Isaac, and she will be talking about her interests in art and reading books. Thank you for having me here. I am truly grateful to be here with you today. Thank you. So how are you today? I am fine. So what do, you enjoy, what do you enjoy doing? What are like some of your hobbies? I enjoy reading and painting or drawing or anything that has to do with art. Why do you enjoy these hobbies? I enjoy reading because whenever I read, I always visualize what the author is saying. And because of that, it makes me more interested. Also, I am extremely picky when I read books. And if it doesn't have enough details or isn't that interesting, I'll probably stop reading it or throw it in the trash. <laughs> On the other hand, I enjoy drawing and painting because I'm able to let my hand do whatever it wants and I'm able to get my thoughts on paper through art. Also, it is extremely relaxing if I'm not stressing myself. If I don't have a canvas or an empty paper in front of me, I'll probably doodle at the sides of any worksheet a teacher gives me, even tests. So how did you come to enjoy these hobbies? Is there like a certain backstory of how you came to enjoy these interests? Well, I came to enjoy drawing because I had this really nice art teacher in third grade and she made art very interesting and she made me interested in it. Her way of teaching art inspired me to do some art research on my own and soon I started doodling on paper and started painting. At the same time I was reading books so I became interested in books because when I was very young my parents encouraged me to read and my sister would always bring books home and as I got older she would encourage me and she would recommend some books to me and that's how I got into fantasy book and at that time I was reading more than I was drawing. Soon, I um, was drawing as much as I was reading, and I would balance it throughout the day. Is there a specific style of art or a specific genre while you read that you're interested in? Well, I'm fine with any type of art, as long as it's not realistic drawings, because I suck at realistic <laughs> drawings. But other than that, I enjoy pretty much everything else. And I'm into fantasy books, because... I like, like, the magic and all of that. So is this something that's common where you're from or throughout your family? Not really, but my family members, especially my dad and my sister, enjoy reading. Also, my family and relatives are into art and specific styles of it, some of which I am also interested in it. And where I'm from, there's a style of art that is really common throughout our family. So it's what many of our family members are interested in. Well, I'm very thankful that you could come and I really appreciate to know you better. So what's the style of art that your family does? It's like henna, you know, okay. like the yeah. kind of like the tattoo thingy my blah, but it's not tattoo. But like my family, we usually put it on like paper and stuff and it's not necessarily on the hands. Okay. And um, yeah, I usually do it a lot at the sides of tests and papers and yeah. it just comes natural to me, so. That's awesome. So my topic was about um like art in in like cultures and how it shapes a person. Okay. Also how it ties into my life. So why did you pick art and cultures? I sometimes draw at home. Okay. In like a cartoon style of like art and stuff. Yeah. Where did you get your inspiration from? Uh, myself and also my sister because she draws also. So how does art shape people as a person? Like. Like, it can make, like, people happy in many ways. Yeah? Does it make you happy to draw? Yes. When do you find yourself drawing the most? When I'm bored at night. Yeah. And I just do it. Or sometimes I just draw random stuff on a piece of paper. Yep. Or a post-it note or or just a piece of paper I can find that's blank. So your sister draws, does she draw in the same style? No. No? What does she draw like? Real people. Okay. 
Do you know much about the history of any drawings, like the oldest drawings? No. No. Some of the earliest that we see, when you go back in, there's a cave in France, and it's called Lascaux Cave. And it's this cave that has pictures of animals everywhere. And it's one of our earliest evidence of drawings. So people have been drawing for thousands of years, right? So maybe one day somebody will find your drawings, right? Thank you for joining us today in this very special episode of A Story of Us. And thank you so much to all of the middle schoolers who participated and brought me these absolutely amazing stories. I loved having the chance to listen to everything they had to say. And it was just a reminder again of how much children know about what is going on in the world. These kids have gotten into podcasting themselves from listening in the car with their parents to anything from fictional podcasts to podcasts on economics and finance. So I hope that you enjoy this. I hope that if you have kids, you had a chance to sit down with them and listen to this as well. Pass it on to anybody you know who might like it. Remember that you can give us a follow. We are on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, just to name a few. We're on a lot of the major podcasting platforms. You can also find us on social media. We are now under at Ohio State APOP. That's A-P-O-P for APOP. You can find us on there going forward. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue to explore a story of us, our humanity, history, and department, and we hope that you're staying safe during this pandemic. Have a great day.